Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 7, verses 51 through 60. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets didn't your fathers persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. You received the law as it was ordained by angels and didn't keep it. Now when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed at him with one accord. They threw him out of the city and stoned him. The witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. They stoned Stephen as he called out, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. How are we at times like these unbelieving Jews in Acts chapter 7 here? What idols have come in between us and truly experiencing God's life-giving presence? What golden calves have we erected in place of true and simple worship of Jesus in spirit and truth? Have we made too much of a gathering place of tradition or customs or religious ritual? Is Jesus truly enough? Okay, let's finish off this chapter here. Moving on, starting in verse 51. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised and hard in ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so you do. Which of the prophets didn't your fathers persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, of whom you have now become betrayers and murderers. You received the law as it was ordained by angels, and you didn't keep it. Now Stephen is really pouring it on. Stephen was the one on trial, but it's actually the council themselves who are the guilty ones. And now, speaking in the authority and power of the Holy Spirit, Stephen goes on the offensive and gives them the harsh truth, after having set the stage up to this point in its presentation through the scriptures. Verse 54. Now when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Matthew 25.30 says, Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In Scripture, gnashing of teeth is a type of behavior ascribed to the wicked who are cast into judgment. These guys were convicted and upset. They were extremely angry towards Stephen and what he had just said, so much so that they were gnashing their teeth at him. If Stephen's accusations against them weren't true, they wouldn't have struck a chord with them. 
Their extreme and intense response, in my mind, only serves to validate the veracity of Stephen's statement about them. All right, let's keep reading. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing on the right hand of God, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears, then rushed at him with one accord. They threw him out of the city and stoned him. The council was already fuming, but Stephen saying that he saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God was the last straw. It was too much for them. They hated Jesus. They had crucified him. They had commanded the apostles on multiple occasions not to speak in his name. They had denied his resurrection. And now Stephen was seeing Jesus standing at the right hand of God. If this testimony was true, it would mean everything Jesus said about them in the Gospels was true, that they were hypocrites and enemies of God. If Jesus was Lord, it would mean they had been intensely opposing God this whole time. They didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to believe it. So much so, they actually covered their ears like a little brat child, refusing to listen to his parents. Their very actions served to verify what Stephen had just said about them. You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus is normally referenced in Scripture to be sitting at the right hand of God. But Stephen testifies here that he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What could this distinction be indicating, if anything at all? Some say, maybe Jesus was standing in anticipation of receiving Stephen in heaven, or that he was interceding on Stephen's behalf to the Father in that moment. I actually lean towards another possibility. Jesus' posture of standing could have been a stance of judgment against the rulers of Israel. Isaiah 3.13, for example, says, The Lord stands up to plead and stands to judge the people. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders of his people and his princes. For you have eaten up the vineyard, the plunder of the poor is in your houses. The posture of God standing in scripture often denotes judgment. Here's another example from the 82nd Psalm which reads, God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Again, this is another example in Scripture of God standing in judgment against the leaders of his people. Could it be that counsel was actually the one on trial before Jesus? The Judaic Old Covenant age was passing away, and we know that by 70 AD, their beloved Herodian temple would be completely destroyed. Maybe Jesus standing could have been foreshadowing the fact that judgment was around the corner for them. Jerusalem and the Herodian temple had become their golden calf. They had rejected Jesus. And could it be that Jesus standing may have indicated that their religious and oppressive reign over the people was shortly going to come to an end? Regardless, Stephen's piercing oration was too much for them to bear. They couldn't stand listening to another word and so killed him in fury by stoning him to death. Stephen became the first martyr of Christendom but his death wasn't in vain. For one, 
It helped seed the spreading of the gospel outside of Jerusalem. The message Stephen shared was not only for the council. Aspects of what the Holy Spirit taught through Stephen, in my opinion, were also for the church to hear. Part of Stephen's oration was a revelation downplaying the significance of the physical Jewish temple and the Holy Land in general as they pertain to the New Covenant. Remember that the early church at that time was still only and primarily converted Jews with roots deep into their former religions, customs, and traditions, right? As the church they met in the temple courts every day, maybe they still felt a need to be in close proximity to the temple. Perhaps there was with some still a strong attachment to the land of Jerusalem, the temple, the customs and rituals of old covenant Judaism that would have made fulfilling the great commission outside of their homeland more difficult. Maybe some residual roots of the old ways still resided in God's people. You see, in the Old Covenant, the nations were to come to Jerusalem and convert to Judaism if they wanted to be God's people. Proselytes were welcome, but everything centered around the Promised Land, Jerusalem and the Temple. The Great Commission was, in a sense, backwards of this. Jesus commanded His disciples to go out into all the world and proclaim the Gospel. His people were to go out and pursue the lost, not all stay in Jerusalem, per se. Remember what Jesus told them in Acts 1, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. But up to this point, the church seemed pretty content to remain in Jerusalem. They were also to be witnesses in all Judea and Samaria, and beyond that, to the end of the earth. Maybe like grown-ups still living at home with her parents, it was time for Daddy to kick them out. God used heavy persecution against the church, including Stephen's martyrdom, to scatter many of them. It pushed the church out of their comfort zone to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. I wonder how many times in our lives God decides to use external circumstances to funnel us towards His will and plan for us. Maybe we're at times too blind to see, too deaf to hear, or simply too comfortable where we are to consider anything else. Maybe at times God has to nudge us along, even take away the other options so as to seemingly give us no other option but to finally surrender and submit to His plan. Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, at times must hurt us. Being a Christian isn't about a building or a land or any sort of physical inheritance. So we too must guard our hearts against any distractions that can weigh us down and prevent us from fulfilling God's will in our lives. And sometimes the hardships, trials, and setbacks we often despise are the very things God uses to propel us towards where He wants us to go, what He wants us to do, and who He wants us to become. Hebrews 13:14, speaking of Jerusalem, states, For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come, as Stephen emphasized in his defense, Abraham was a stranger in exile on the earth, looking towards the heavenly inheritance to come, not towards any earthly inheritance. Earthly Jerusalem wasn't the end-all be-all for them. If it was for some, maybe they needed to detach themselves from idolizing the physical blessings of the Abrahamic covenant in order to be more of a spiritual blessing to others outside of the Promised Land. Likewise, let us remember that we too are only strangers and pilgrims on the earth, 
and our eyes should be set on Jesus and on heavenly things, not earthly. In particular, the spreading of the gospel to the nations, the Great Commission, which is this according to Matthew 28:18-20. And Jesus said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. All right, so Stephen's death would jumpstart a new phase in the growth of the early church. The early church had grown, probably to be in the thousands of new converts, if not tens of thousands by that time. Praise God. These were converted Jews, and they were centrally located in Jerusalem around the temple. But God also had more people to reach in other locations. Jesus had taught in John 12, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. After Stephen's martyrdom, the church was about to bear fruit in a whole new way, as the gospel is about to reach outside the scope of the Jews to the Samaritans and beyond, even to the Gentile nations. Okay, let's finish off this long but incredible chapter now in Acts chapter 7, verse 58. The witnesses placed their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. This was the Saul, who would later be converted to Jesus, known under his Greek name as Paul, later becoming Paul the Apostle. All right, verse 59 to the end. They stoned Stephen as he called out, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. I can imagine only a man filled with the Holy Spirit could utter such graceful words towards his offenders while being stoned by them. And Stephen's death here actually parallels Jesus' death here, doesn't it? Who said while being crucified, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And Jesus died with the exclamation, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It appears in the case of Saul, the Lord heard Stephen's intercessory petition full of grace towards his enemies. As we'll learn later in the book of Acts, the Lord Jesus will definitely pour out mercy and grace on Saul. Have you ever been like Stephen and prayed for one of your enemies, someone who didn't deserve it in the moment, and then seen afterward the grace of God work in their lives? Or maybe someone's done that for you. Praise God for his amazing grace and mercy. of death we will not avenge vengeance is the Lord's and if the world hates us it hated him first would you die for him Come
That was Overcome from the Adams Road album, Tongues of Fire. Come 
That was Abba Father from the Adams Road album, Son of Man. This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. 
Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 8. Grace and peace be with you all.